You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Everybody hates magicians. People should hate magicians. I think Jerry Seinfeld has a line that's wonderful, that he says all magic is just, here's a quarter, now it's gone, you're a jerk, now it's back, you're an idiot, show's over. <laughs> Magician and illusionist Penn Gillette. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Remember those ads in the back of magazines and comic books back in the day that promised to teach you secrets of Things that will amaze your family and friends. Well, fast forward a few years to when Penn and Teller started revealing the secrets of the tricks magicians have been doing for years. And finally, in 1992, Penn and Teller actually wrote a book of their own called Penn and Teller's How to Play with Your Food. Well, that's when I got a chance to meet the talking half of the duo, Penn Gillette. Now, something happened during this interview. You'll hear it in a few minutes. Something happened that has never happened to me before, has never happened to me since, and to this day I still wonder if it's something that Penn Gillette engineered, some sort of practical joke on me. You'll hear it. So here now, from 1992, Penn Gillette. You know, many of us who are in our 30s, maybe even approaching 40, have just finally learned how not to play with our food. We can go to an embassy dinner and not embarrass ourselves. Well, that's that's the whole thing. When, you're, when your mom told you not to play with your food, what she really meant was don't play with your food unless you can do it well. And there are many, many books on etiquette uh, that are out uh, and on manners that will teach you how not to be noticed when dining. And this is the one book that I know of that will teach you how to be noticed while dining. And this book has uh, tricks. You know, you can read right through it. It's a, it's a funny book. We wrote it that way that you can just enjoy it. But if you also choose to do any one of the 50 tricks in this book, you will really give excitement to your, your peer group nearly forever. It's almost like a Rorschach test to see which trick you choose. Yeah, yeah. There, there's, you, can tell, you can tell a lot about a person from which one they want to do, whether they want to stick a fork in their eye and have uh, gunk squirt out, or whether they want to beat the check, or whether they want to give a recipe to their friends that'll blow up in the kitchen, or whether they want to make jello that when they stick a knife into it, it'll bleed, or they want to tie a cherry stem with their tongue out on a first date, or whichever one of those they choose tells you an awful lot about, uh, about your... Uh, your buyer. Many of these I found, I don't know quite what I expected when I first got the book, but I found many of them remarkably easy, the yeah. sounding anyway. Yeah, well, they're very easy. There's a couple in there. We try to, uh, you know, as we travel around and do the, do the Penn and Teller show, we, find, we meet a lot of people that buy our books. Uh, we meet them firsthand, which is kind of a luxury that other authors don't really have. But we're so accessible at our shows that people talk with us. So we really know that there are people that want to be able to read the book once through and do three or four tricks without any practice or any preparation or any messing around whatsoever. We also find that there are the hardcore nuts that want tricks that are really hard and professional quality. We sure have those for them, too. Just There's two or three tough ones in there. You really do have to be careful when you plug in a pickle, don't you? You have to be very careful, yeah. You, you don't even want to talk about that on the air because uh, <laughs> uh, we have... Uh, I have some science friends who discovered how to electrocute a pickle to turn it into a light bulb. And uh, it works wonderfully, and it's very, very good, but you can be electrocuted and die. So you don't want to recommend to people that they, uh, they plug in their pickle. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a funny thing going on here. You know, uh, Madonna, uh, Madonna's fans live vicariously through her. 
You know, they 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 see her art and they say, "Geez, I wish I could be sitting naked and bored with lesbians." And uh, we live vicariously through our audience. See, if you were to go out to eat with me uh, socially, I don't know why that would happen, but if it were to happen and I were to do any tricks, you would just find it irritating and disgusting. When I go out to eat, my friends say to me, okay, Penn, here's the deal. You shut up, you eat your food, and you're paying, okay? End of story. Uh, and uh, But other people, civilians, they can go out and do these things. What we do when we're writing this book is we think about, you know, 40-year-old businesswoman in Duluth goes out to eat uh, on a date, sticks a fork in her eye, squirts gunk all over. You know, we think, we think you know, 15-year-old high school kid with a pizza being delivered that says three of clubs on it. You know, is this your card? We think of the businessman uh, jet-setting around, going to one of the uh, restaurants. We have 16 restaurants in here that are set up for this, flying to Paris, making reservations, and in the middle of the meal, doing this incredible fancy-schmancy trick we've set up with these 16 restaurants. And for those people... When they do it, they're not just, you know, this goofy guy you saw dump cockroaches on David Letterman messing around in a restaurant. But then it's a real miracle. I mean, just the, one of the simplest ones in there, which we have some fortune cookies there that you can uh, actually cookie fortunes for fortune cookies. You can cut up the fortunes and you can go out to a Chinese dinner. And when, you're, uh, when the cookie's delivered, you can break open the cookie and pull out a fortune that says that lump is cancer. <laughs> or, or the chef spit in your food. Now, nothing could be easier, but at least for two years, your friend's going to be talking about the night that happened. You know? <laughs> I always, the, the, some of these are very subtle, the, the labels that came in here. Oh, like yeah. The, the yeah. food well, labels. We have, uh, we have these, these great labels that fit. We tried to pick a color scheme, this, this yellow and black, that means it'll fit on, uh, on any food product. And you put this sticker on, and you can't even see the seams. It looks like it's right there. And we have, of course, the obvious one, uh, high fat, low fiber. Uh, <laughs> Made entirely of scrapple byproducts, which is good for those who uh, live in this area. Uh, made entirely of dolphin byproducts, which is good for your, uh, your uh, ethical vegetarian friends. Uh, and all the cholesterol and twice the sugar. And uh, nutritional information per serving. Aside from the packaging, which contains paper and ink products, this product contains no nutritional value whatsoever. And my favorite one, and I, I, uh, I, we just threw this one in here just to put on a hamburger. Uh, no cattle were harmed in any way during the testing and our manufacturing of this product. Uh, just you can put just you can put that on there. Just make the life a little more interesting. And my dad's a diabetic, so you can also, of course, always put on uh, on contains no sugar. Put that on Hershey's syrup. Give it to dad and tell him. And if you feel a little bit of a cold sweat coming on, dad, don't have some apple juice. Just lie down. Um, there's all sorts of 100% vegetable products. If you have ethical vegetarian friends, you can just stick that on veal. And they'll go, hmm, tastes like what meat used to taste like. <laughs> these are very, these, these almost could have gone in the cruel tricks book. Yeah, yeah. Well, these, there's some, there's some that, are, that are less than kind in here. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, you're trying to make, you're trying to make, uh, you know, they, we get asked once in a while, um, what the theme of the book is. And I think the theme of the book uh, can really be best summed up by a quote uh, from Salvador Dali, of all people. And Salvador Dali said, so little of what might happen does happen. And uh, we often go through these same rituals of eating dinner uh, with the same people at the same restaurants or at the same homes over and over again. And it is so easy 
to make one of those meals be a story that you'll talk about forever. And maybe if people just spend that extra 15 minutes to be a little more interesting, we'll need less situation comedies on television. (laughs) That's what I would be hoping for. After this short break, you'll hear the bizarre thing that happened in the studio that still has me wondering if it was something that Penn Jillette did. Now back to my 1992 interview with Penn Jillette. We're just we're not going to be able to read this book, even read it twice, and do everything with the same panache and skill as Penn and Teller. Well, no, no, and you, you shouldn't. You should pick ones that are that are suitable for your your style. I mean, if you're known for your recipes, if you're someone who cooks, and you're known for your recipes, and people are always bugging you for your recipes, then there's no better way than taking the uh, the page the page in here that is the recipe. And if, if you look at this carefully, you'll see that there is nothing here that gives away Penn and Teller. Nothing. Uh, it says Minnesota Regional Cookery. <laughs> Once you open to this page, you can't tell. And there's a beautiful recipe that you could say to your friend, just try this. And it's like an egg, buttermilk, uh, five teaspoons of baking soda, half a teaspoon of vanilla, a cup of lemon juice, a cup of sugar, uh, seven-eighths cup of all-purpose flour, eight cups of margarine and butter, preheat oven to 375 degrees, small bowl mix. It's all perfectly normal directions, except it in- includes the baking soda and the um, lemon juice, which when mixed together make that volcano you made in grade school. <laughs> All over everything. If you're, uh, I have friends who are a, uh, uh, they're a couple in, um, in Cambridge, who love love to cook. They love to prepare food, and they bring friends over for dinner a lot. And they have cooked the bleeding heart gelatin dessert many times. And this is a a jello mold in the shape of a heart that when you cut into it, it bleeds. And it bleeds the sauce that goes on top of the jello. And for a special occasion, like this is the bleeding heart jello, I think maybe on January 20th when Clinton is inaugurated, you might want to consider <laughs> cooking that up and inviting a few friends over. I don't know. We have uh, real simple ones like linguine alla stigmata, where you have served to you plain pasta, and you say, oh, damn, I forgot the sauce, slit your wrists and bleed marinara all over it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and also, we try very, very hard to make sure that everything in here is funny and interesting, even if you don't do the tricks. But I would recommend, you know, uh, if you do buy the book and if you do read it and love it, just for fun, just try one of the tricks and just see the kind of uh, reaction you get in your peer group. Yeah, actually, I think I like some of the footnotes as much as I like some of the tricks. <laughs> well, you know, we started to have to footnote because we, we're living in this uh, litigious society <laughs> where you have things like the uh, porno victims' rights law going through where the idea is if you're, uh, if you're uh, raped and murdered, then your family should be able to sue the people who made the movie that the perpetrator saw if he was inspired, he or she was inspired by that, although he is pretty accurate because there are very few female uh, serial murderers and certainly very few women that do violent murders, although there is that one in Florida which gives us some hope that the future may be changing. Uh, but uh, they're trying to do that. You know that people have uh, have sued for people leaving the keys in the car, they've stolen the car, then been smashed up. There's horrible stories that... Are we Whoops. okay? It's getting kind of sexy here. All the lights just went out in the studio. Are this the, is the most interesting thing. But the great thing is that the tape, the tape is, still is still running. running. <laughs> uh, all I can say is things, things like this are always happening this around me. This is bizarre. I, I did that with my mind. I, I just turned <laughs> all the lights in my mind. I'll turn them back on shortly. So here's where I have to interject just for a moment and explain what you just heard. As we're in the middle of an interview, and he's in the middle of a sentence, everything, all the lights go out. 
all the lights in the studio, all the lights in the studio next to us, all the lights in the offices outside the studio. Everything goes up, except for some reason the tape recorder is still running. The power to the tape recorder is still running, but all the other lights are out. How did he do that, I wondered. So let's get back to the interview. So we have a lot of footnotes in the book because we're saying to people things like stick a fork near your eye. And if they were to misread that and and stick a fork in their eye, maybe with the mood in the country such as it is, they would actually be able to sue us. And the fact that people might be willing to say, Your Honor, they said stick a fork near your eye. I thought it said in your eye and I stuck a fork in my eye. And I would think that any judge, I would hope that any judge would say, uh, yeah, why don't you work up a little Sammy Davis Jr. act and don't stick a fork in your eye again. Just get the hell out of my sight, would you? Get the hell out of my court now. But this really, if, if you really spent some time with this, and excuse me, really mastered these things, you could, you could be a, a, a budding young magician. You could, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. stuff. I mean, uh, uh, this, is, this is not just a book for Christmas for people to buy and throw away. If... It is, you know, we try to make sure it's not considered a magic book. But there are tricks in there that are professional quality. As a matter of fact, we have friends that work in magic, and there are two tricks in here that are being used professionally. There's a, there's a juggling trick in there, and the, the, um, the uh, initial on the T, in the T with the, um, with the sugar cube trick, mm-hmm. is one that's been used by magicians for a long time. But it's just so, so good that uh, we decided to put it in. And if you do that trick, you'll be considered a, uh, a miracle worker for the rest of your life. Is it a figment of our imagination that you and Teller like to give away the secrets to what you do? Yeah, well, it's not a figment of your imagination. It's a figment of ours. <laughs> uh, we try to give the ideas. When we started out in magic, uh, everybody hates magicians. And it's kind of like mimes. It's for good and sufficient reason. Uh, it's not, it's not a, a group that's persecuted uh, unnecessarily. People should hate magicians. And the reason is best, I think Jerry Seinfeld has a line that's wonderful, that he says, all magic is just, here's a quarter, now it's gone, you're a jerk, now it's back, you're an idiot, show's <laughs> over. Uh, these guys who come out in front of um, people, you know, your standard audience, you have people that can, what, fix Porsches, program machine code, uh, perform surgery. And this guy would come out on stage and act like these people were idiots because they couldn't do hippity-hop rabbits. So we had to make sure that those people got on our side, the people that hated magicians. And the best way to do that was a sacrificial offering of taking a few old tricks in magic, like the cups and balls, Mm -hmm. and doing it with clear plastic cups, which, of course, outraged magicians, which is nothing but good for our career. So in the book, we give away tricks that are fun to have done to you, fun to do, and also fun to know how they're done, which means we took uh, thousands of tricks that we'd either heard about or made up and had to whittle them down to the 50 that are in the book that all fit those categories of all three. Wow. Is, is, a, is a book like this as much fun to put together as it is for us to read? You know, when you're, um, when you're in showbiz and uh, you're making your living that way, you're supposed to talk a lot about how miserable you are and how hard your job really is. We're supposed to pretend that when Bruce Springsteen goes on and plays guitar for three hours with a cold, that he's some sort of superhuman trooper, and then pretend that, of course, secretaries are going to work into work and work 12-hour shifts with the flu are just doing the regular job, and emergency room technicians that work all over the holidays sewing people up are not working as hard as Springsteen. Uh, I don't buy into that. We have uh, the best job we could possibly have. Uh, I work long hours, 
but I work long hours doing just wonderful things, and I, I, I hope it doesn't come off as obnoxious, but I'm as happy as I could, I could, I could possibly be. And uh, putting this book together, uh, a lot of work, a lot of stuff to put through, but it's just such a wonderful feeling just to have that, as I said, that vicarious thrill of thinking that um, all over the country people may be doing these goofy things, making life a little more interesting. And also... Um, Bruce Springsteen is able to get 20,000 people to wave their arms from side to side during Born to Run. We have gotten 16 restaurants to hide cards <laughs> in entrees, and that is a more amazing feat. <laughs> Penn Gillette is 66 now, and Penn & Teller continue to be one of the most popular acts in Las Vegas. And you can find the easy Amazon links to Penn Gillette's books at our website, heardeverything.com. Would you do me a favor? If you liked today's interview, would you tell a friend about Now I've Heard Everything? We post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. Or you can listen to any episode we've ever created at our website, heardeverything.com. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the founder and the original longtime MC of Amateur Night at the Apollo, my 1991 interview with Ralph Cooper. You know, at the Apollo Theater, we've had just about everyone come through there that was worth anything, you know. We've created some tremendous uh, stars, superstars, as a matter of fact. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>